Wow. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Sujin. Just adjust myself here. Wow. Maybe we should have planned this a little bit different that I didn't have to preach after that. Uh, but I wanted to take some time and just uh, share what I believe is on God's heart with you today. On the uh, church calendar, today marks a very special day. It is the day of Pentecost. And uh, the day of Pentecost is the birth of the church. I mean, you all know that. I'm not telling you anything new. Uh, the book of Acts tells us that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that word always had a mystery to me as to why the writer Luke would refer to the day of Pentecost as having fully come. Uh, it just meant that when the day was fully established, when it was there, when it was that moment, but why is the day need to be established? Well, to answer that question, it took me on a journey with the Lord where he took me back to my second favorite book, not my favorite book, Genesis, but the one right after it, Exodus. And uh, there uh, the journey started to understand what the day of Pentecost was and what that significance was. But uh, in reality, he took me right back to Genesis and you know, I've always told you Genesis is my favorite book, and I'm going to explain even more uh, about that today. But the reason he took me to Genesis was because there was something that was a mystery that was hidden within the very first moments of the opening chapter as God describes what he's doing. And uh, in Genesis, uh, we read these words. So let me just put that up on the screen and you can follow along. Read these words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 to 16. Oops. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be there. For lights in the firm, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God, then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. These lights that we see all around us, the sun that lights our day, the moon that brightens the dark night in the evenings, they're there for reasons, and they're there for signs. We've talked about this years ago when we were talking about the red moons and how they were signs, but the, the, the word seasons isn't just what we understand seasons to be. We understand seasons to be the spring, the summer, the fall, but that's a poor interpretation of that word. The word in the Hebrew, and I'm not going to give a Hebrew lesson, but the word in Hebrew literally means the appointment, the appointed time. The word is mo'ed, and in Arabic we say ma'ed, which is an appointment. And really what that word 
seasons means is that there are times that God has preset in his schedule, in his plan, in his unfolding of his glorious plan of all creation. He has preset appointed times and those times we read about in prophecy, those times we read about in history, those times are times that are marked and they are unchangeable. For example, you know about the Bethlehem star that appeared at the time of the birth of Jesus and how the Magi, the scientists or the wise men from the East were monitoring the stars and they came to Israel looking for the birth of the king that was marked by the star. And when they went to the current king and they asked him, and where is this king of the Jews? They understood that because of the timing that was determined by these stellar bodies, these suns and these stars that are set in the heavens as signs and for appointed times. So the journey begins in Genesis where God has preset a calendar. And he has this calendar worked out perfectly to the split second because of the rotation of all of these galactic and, and stellar bodies. And he put all of this into motion as though he set the clock of all of creation. You know how a clock has internal, the old time clocks, not these digital ones now, but the old time clocks had these little tiny gears. And there was one gear that would turn against the other and it would spin another gear and one gear would turn the second hand that would rotate around once every minute. And then there was another one that would rotate around every hour. And then there was another one that would rotate around every 12 or 24 hours. All these gears are working and it's like that in the heavens. And there are these bodies, these massive galactic bodies that are preordained by God. And they have been set to divide night and day, or actually day and night. And what's interesting is if the if you follow the strict Hebrew calendar, a day is not always 24 hours. And that's why in the scripture it talks about the early part of the day, or the latter part of the day. And it doesn't give exact hours because... That they would stretch and elongate according to the length of the sun in the daytime and the darkness at night. So a day wasn't always 24 hours. An hour wasn't always 20, uh, 60 minutes. So all of these things were part of the timetable that God had put into place. So when we read about these signs and these seasons, they mark the calendar that God was using when he was talking to the people of Israel. So think of the word seasons differently when you read Genesis. Think of the word seasons as the appointed, predetermined, cyclic moments in history that God has marked. And today we're celebrating the day of Pentecost, and it is one of those times that has been marked by God as a significant time on his timetable. So where is that? What happens on the day of Pentecost? Well, on the day of Pentecost, it, it was actually described by God in Exodus as being the third month when they came out of Egypt. 
they came out of Egypt in the first month of the year. When it, when it says on the, in the third month since they came out of Egypt, it would be the first month would be the month that they came out in, which is Nisan. The second month would be the month a year right after it. And then the third month is the month that we're in today. And that's on the, the, in that time, that was the time that God invited and they had encamped around the mountain, Mount Sinai, and God invited Moses to go up to the mountain and spend time with him. It was in that time that God, with his own finger, inscribed the Ten Commandments on the tablets that were made of stone. It was at that moment that Moses came down from the mountain and saw that the people were worshiping the golden calf. That all happened at that same moment, on that same day. That day would have been the sixth day of the third month on the calendar, which is now. On that day, Moses came down and saw the people of Israel all worshiping around the, 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 the golden calf. And he commanded that there would be a cutting off of those that would not repent. And there were 3,000 that were killed by the sword that day. That was the day that Moses was given by God the Ten Commandments. That day happened to be 50 days from another day. So let me go back and show you what those days are that the Bible talks about and describes as the significant days in the history of Israel. And they're significant to us because they're not just the history of Israel, but they're the history that God has called appointed times. Now, the word seasons is called appointed times, but the word feasts is also another meaning of the word appointed times in the Hebrew. And these are the feasts of the people of Israel that God had given them in Exodus. There are two seasons, the spring and the fall. We're right now in the end of the holidays or the holy days or the feasts, or in other words, the appointed times of the people of God in the springtime. The first one was the Passover, which took place on the 14th day of the first month. The second one was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which took place the next day. And that was when they had the unleavened bread. It was pure. It was not with any leaven. And that was when they broke it and they ate it. In other words, it was a day of communion. And we believe it was on that day that Jesus had actually been sacrificed. And then a few days later, we have the first fruits. And that traditionally is on the first Sunday after the Passover, after the first Shabbat. So that day moves because it has to be on the first day after the Shabbat, after the Saturday. So depending on when the 14th of Nisan lands, that day can move a little bit forward, a little bit backwards. I hope you follow what I mean. In the same way that on our calendar, Pentecost is not always the 31st of May. Sometimes it's the 4th of June. Sometimes it's the 28th of May. But it moves because of where it lands. In the same way, the first fruits moves because of where it lands, depending on the calendar day. But the next day after that, 50 days later, is the Pentecost. And that also moves because it's moving with the first fruits of the 21st of Nisan. 
So right now, it, on the first time that it happened, it happened on the third of Sivan. That was when Israel had just come out of Egypt and they're now in the wilderness. They're settled around the mountain. And that's when the golden calf incident happened. That's when the, the whole thing happened with the, the tablets of stone. And that was when God actually instituted something with the people and they became a nation from a tribe or a family. They went into Egypt when Joseph was there, 400 years, 440 years before they came out. They came in as a family. They became tribes and those tribes became a nation and they came out as one nation and God entered into this covenant with them. And this covenant is something that we don't normally understand the way that God understands it. We think that the giving of the law was just a ritual that God now has given his Ten Commandments to Israel, but it was a lot more than that. What Sarah was singing was an expression of that relationship between God and Israel. So in this season, if the streets were open and synagogues were open and churches were open, you would be seeing Jewish people dancing outside the synagogues, holding scrolls of the Bible and celebrating what they call Simchat Torah, which is the feast of the Torah. Because it was on that day, that first Pentecost, that God gave Moses the Torah, the five books of Moses, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, and it was that celebration. So Pentecost for the Jewish people was a celebration of the receiving of the law or the writing of the covenant between God and his people. So I want to underline a couple of words here. This celebration of Pentecost for the Jewish people is the recognition of the receiving of the document of the law that binds God to his people in covenant. So what they do today in synagogues and what they did all along was read the book of Ruth. To this day, Jewish people, when they come to celebrate the Passover or Shavuot, as it's called in Hebrew, and Shavuot means weeks or sevens. So that's why when in the book of Acts, he writes, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Because when they're looking at this Pentecost here, these 50 days, what they do is they count. They count these 50 days one by one. And the reason that it had to be fully come was because it moves and it has to be adjusted every year as to when is the exact date. It's not a date on the calendar. They have to actually keep watching for it. And it's the same countdown as what you would see a bride doing before her wedding. You know, so many sleeps left before I am with my beloved. So what God did on Pentecost was actually write the wedding contract, the wedding covenant, and he presented it to Israel, and Israel responded to that word that God had written. And the reason that they read the book of Ruth is because Pentecost 
is actually a wedding celebration. In the same way that Ruth had lost her husband and went back to Israel, went to Israel, she was a Moabite. She was not of the people of Israel. She was from the land of Moab. She went with Naomi back to uh, Israel. And according to the law, there was a redeemer that has to marry her, but he opted not to. So she went and she introduced herself to Boaz, and Boaz redeemed her. And they entered into a marriage, and that's why they read that, because it reminds them that they were an unredeemed people that God has redeemed, like Boaz had redeemed Ruth, and now he has married her. And now they have entered into that, and we are in the same place. So when we come to celebrate Pentecost, we're coming to the realization, and we don't always think along these lines, but this is what the foundations of the word of Pentecost is. It's not just the coming down of the Holy Spirit. That happened in the wilderness as well. God came down on the mountain. The mountain shook, just like the upper room shook. And there was a loud sound at the time that God was meeting with with Moses on top of the Mount Sinai. And God wrote with his own finger, and there was fire, and there was thunder, and there was lightning. All of that took place on that first Pentecost, or the first Shavuot. Back then, what happened was God wrote the contract of the law, or the contract, or the agreement of the terms of the covenant on a tablet of stone. But he prophesied from the beginning that the day will come when I will no longer write the law on stone tablets, but I will write them on the law on your heart. And on the day of Pentecost, not only did we receive the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, as Jesus breathed on the disciples on that first Sunday after his resurrection, the first fruit, But it was also the Holy Spirit coming down like he did on Mount Sinai 50 days later after the first fruit and shook 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus and the first fruit where he breathes on the disciples and the disciples receive the Holy Spirit 50 days after that first fruit. Count one, two, three, count them. They waited in the upper room for 10 days. They weren't clued in. They didn't understand that these were appointed times. They just knew that they had to wait for the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit that was promised. And the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost on the upper room where the 120 were gathered. And the room shook and there was a loud sound and tongues of fire landed on their heads. And they had been filled with the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit and they spoke in other tongues. And every language heard. And guess how many were saved that day? The scripture tells us in the book of Acts that 3,000 men were saved that day. On the first Pentecost, because of idolatry, 3,000 were killed. On the first Pentecost of the church, the Lord redeems and brings back from every nation of the Jewish people that were scattered and came back for that feast and brings them back in and restores and he is continually restoring. And they continue to this day celebrating and they remind themselves in the synagogues every day, every not every day, but every synagogue, every Shavuot, reads the contract, as it were, of this wedding. And they remind themselves the things that God had spoken to them. And these are some of the things that he had spoken. Friday the 6th of Sivan, the day appointed by the Lord for the revelation of the Torah to his beloved people. The invisible one came forth from Sinai, shone from Sair, 
and appeared from Mount Param unto the kings, all the kings of the earth in the year 2448 since the creation of the world. This is in the Jewish tradition. This is what they read in the synagogue. And they all listen to this. By the era by which was accustomed to be reckoned for this land whose foundations were upheld by God as it is written. For he has founded upon the seas and established upon the floods. The bridegroom, God, ruler of rulers, prince of princes, distinguished upon uh, among the select, whose mouth is pleasing and all of whom is delightful, said unto the pious and lovely and virtual maiden, the people of Israel, who won his favor above all women, who is beautiful as the moon, radiant as the sun, awesome as bannered hosts, many days will thou be, many days will thou be mine and I will be your redeemer. The story of Ruth, it's in there. They recite these things, they read them aloud in the synagogue. Behold, I have sent thee golden precepts through the lawgiver, Moses. So as in every wedding, there's the bridegroom, there's the bride, and there's the witnesses. And the heavens and the earth are witnesses to this covenant. And heaven and earth are the ones that Moses calls upon to be witnesses upon the people if they deviate from the law. He says, heaven and earth will be witnesses against you when you deviate from this law. He reminds them of Deuteronomy. Be thou my mate according to the law of Moses and Israel, and I will honor you, support and maintain thee. It's a marriage covenant. Pentecost, Shavuot, is the reminder of the marriage covenant. And he goes on and on. But I want to get to the last part here. And when they say, and they respond to him, and they say to him, and it it brings it in from the Song of Solomon. But the response to him is, you will be ours and we will be yours. Let me be a seal upon your heart. Like the seal upon your hand. For love is fierce as death. Vast floods cannot quench love, nor rivers drown it. If a man offered all his wealth for love, he would be laughed to scorn. God is offering all of his wealth to humanity. We heard from Mark how he rejected him, but the Lord wooed him and brought him back. Many of our own stories, we've deviated from God. But in Pentecost, he wants to remind us that he enters into a covenant with us. I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. You may have been born into a Christian family like Sarah was, but there comes a time where you have to make a decision to receive and enter into this covenant with God. There comes a time where you want to become one with him as a bride and a groom and enter into that place of intimacy, like worship, what Sarah was describing, where he begins to fill your heart and your ears with his song, where he fills and bubbles up inside of you. You may have been a Christian for many years, but things have grown cold. He wants today, on this day of Pentecost, to pour his spirit on you afresh, to shake things that are unshakable into place and to shake things that are shakable off of you so that you can be free and come into that relationship fully with him so that you can say, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Let me pray for us as, before we continue. Father, on this day of Pentecost, we want to come to you afresh. We invite you, Holy Spirit, God on earth right now. 
we invite you to shake us, to mold us, to adjust us, to fill us afresh, to come and hover over us, to dwell over us. Oh. As in Sarah's song where she writes, Almighty, all-powerful, my shelter, my shield, my in every fight. Land on us, cover us. Fill us afresh, Lord. Baptize us afresh, Lord. Bring us to that place where we are clear on whose we are. Allow us to walk, Lord. Remind us to walk, Lord, in purity with you. In righteousness with you. Not shaken by things that are distracting. Not distracted with our heart like that harlot that had turned away from Hosea and married away and left him. But Lord, you have used all of these covenantal relationship examples to bring us into oneness with you. Bring us back, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.